so long, I don't even remember how I used to begin these. It's Criterion. I mean, yeah, I don't remember. I mean, you could say that. You could say it's been so long. Uh, because also, I don't remember either. So could you, you could say anything. I, I remember I used to say something like, hey, Chris, do you want to talk about films? I don't remember you saying anything like that. It's kind of like my catchphrase. I don't. I think you're making this up just now. Welcome to an all-new episode of Criterionauts. I'm Criterionaut Joey. I'm Criterionaut Chris. And this month, week, whatever, we have watched the pandemic parable, The Blob, from 1958. Spine number 81 at 82 minutes. A breezy 82 minutes. Directed by Irvin S. Yeworth, written by Theodore you, Simpson and Kate Phillips. You felt this was breezy? A breezy 82 minutes. I mean, 82 minutes is short. I don't know that I would describe this movie as breezy. It it's, it's, doesn't feel breezy. It's a time <laughs> paradox. Uh, IMDb score of 6.4 with 22,140 votes. Rotten Tomatoes score 66%. 32 votes, an audience score of 52% with 31,641 votes. This is like the lowest rated classic of all time. From audience. Uh, the run to, or like the reviewer score still seems higher than I would expect. <laughs> like, but considering, I mean, I guess we're going to get into it. I mean, we, we are watching a movie that is a part of the Criterion Collection. Yes, our thesis. Yes. We we'll watch a movie, uh, the think, Criterion Collection, and then talk about it. And uh, I, I think one could ask the question that we ask of ourselves often these days, which is why? <laughs> why the Blob or why Criterion Collection? Why the Blob in the Criterion Collection? There, uh, I I have a theory. <laughs> okay. And it, I think it applies to many movies that this show in particular has gone through. I feel like they find one thing in the movie they think is worthwhile, and then that is enough. And right. And the thing always doesn't have to be that it's a good movie. Agreed. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 a big defender of Armageddon, but also <laughs> I'm also the first person to say like, why should this movie be in the Criterion Collection? And the answer is probably not. But uh, or or the Rock. I mean, I ha- I'm, I am staring at the Rock Criterion Laserdisc where I where I sit right now. And um, should that movie be in the Criterion Collection? I don't think probably not as a movie. But they they used it as an opportunity to examine and dissect the Hollywood like machine oh, and okay. i think in in that respect it definitely belongs but uh but on its own uh i mean yeah i guess the blob was a big deal i mean maybe you're gonna get into it i mean i, I think it was it was a big deal at the time and certainly i think some of the effects were uh maybe ahead of their time although some of them seem fairly uh <laughs> laughable at this point <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty terrifying the way that the goose sucked up stuff and then reversed and then went backwards. You, <laughs> you didn't you didn't find the blob to be perhaps the least menacing villain in the history of motion pictures. <laughs> the funny thing is, is I I also have a copy of the 1988 remake of this. 
which is the lead in it the who was what's the main guy's name in this movie uh steve mcqueen steve mcqueen is replaced with a super 80s johnny drama oh wow and oh my god i've never wanted i've never wanted to punch someone in the face harder after just seeing him for the first time (laughs) (laughs) and like they do a smart thing in that though to make the blob scary, the blob is essentially a big pile of acid. Mm. So it grabs somebody, and then they immediately start to, like, dissolve. And a lady's, like, trying to pull a guy out of the blob's grasp, and she just pulls his arm off. So, like, Jesus. they were able to, like, make it scary, but back then they could not, I guess. <laughs> so let's let's read what Criterion has to say. About the blob. A cult classic of gooey greatness, the blob follows the havoc wreaker on a small town by an outer space monster. I'm sorry, I'm going to read that again. The blob follows the havoc wreaked upon a small town by an outer space monster with neither soul nor vertebrae, with Steve McQueen playing the rebel teen who tries to warn the residents about the jelly-like invader, the 28-year-old teenager. Yeah, not not only is Steve McQueen 28 and playing a teenager, but he already looks 40. Yes. In my notes, I put 40-year-old and then looked it up and changed it to 28-year-old. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, he he looked that age from the time he was in his 20s. And by the way, like – the the more the older he got and the more rugged he got like the more it worked for him he was a, obviously a very handsome ruggedly like sexy man especially for the era but uh, a teenager he is not yeah uh, if i was that that girl's do- that that girl's father i'd be like i don't think so honey i don't think so <laughs> i don't think so jane this guy's clearly been in high school for 30 years <laughs> is this one of your teachers what is this <laughs> Is this your science teacher? Get out of here. Uh, Strong performances and ingenious special effects help the blob transcend the schlock sci-fi and youth delinquencies genres from which it originates. Made outside of Hollywood by a maverick film distributor and a crew whose credits mostly comprise religious and educational shorts, the blob helped launch the careers of McQueen and composer Burt Bacharach, whose bouncy title song is just one of the film's many unexpected pleasures. What? I, I can't call that an unexpected pleasure. I, I, I was fucking I, love the themes. <laughs> you're out of your mind. I have the lyrics right here, as a matter of fact. Be careful of the blob. Beware of the blob. It creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor, right through the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch. Be careful of the blob. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if in Gremlins it was like... You know, don't feed them after midnight. Don't try to get them wet. I mean, it, it would have saved re- a lot of uh, exposition time, though. Terrible. You just you get you're in right away and ready to go. Like, all right, I get the blob now. Man, that thing sounds bad. Oh, there it is right away. Immediately. <laughs> as soon as we start. Ugh. Um, the, the movie is a, like a really good. Um, fake out at the beginning. You're like, oh man, we're f- we're moving through this. We we don't have any of like the bullshit before the the alien shows up. We don't have to like get to know all these people. And then, uh, 
there's a an asteroid shoots across the sky over this couple making out, and we're just in it, like right away. That's true. Although that very first scene with the the where um, uh, old ass Steve McQueen is is kissing kissing that high school student that that, that teenage girl Jane. Uh, have you ever seen Predator: The Quietus? I haven't. I I know I need to see it. You've recommended it. It's. I mean, it's I've only heard it's your be favorite elect- movie. I, I've talked about it. It's, it. It is one of the worst movies ever made, but I it, I I love it and I find it endearingly bad. And um, <clears throat> it, it it I don't. There's something about the opening. I think that they were aping it in uh, Predator. The mm. Quietus, which is not a Predator movie, just in case you're wondering. Predator, The Quietus is a no, movie. No, there's definitely Da-da. no no explanatory theme song. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, also, did you notice, I also right off the bat, they have some real focus issues in this movie. Like, there are, there are shots where the, the actors are just straight up out of focus. <laughs> I didn't notice that. It actually I was probably made me too feel... busy being super bored. <laughs> it made me feel better about myself as a filmmaker whenever yeah. <laughs> I've had like um, fo- focus problems. It's like, oh, even uh, even Steve McQueen can be out of focus in yeah, this, this Criterion this classic. Steve? Yeah, <laughs> they they have some really. It was like during the asteroid crash landing, and towards the end, they have some like really fake looking but still cool looking like matte. VFX, mm-hmm. which I thought that stuff, even if it was still used today, would be kind of like a cool stylistic choice. I agree, but we'll get to it. So there's an asteroid. After we break apart like this 1958 face mash that they kiss, like I guess that's how they kissed in 1958. <laughs> you just touch your whole face to someone else's whole face. Um, we go find a meteor and. Uh, they find it immediately and poke it with a stick, which is <laughs> exactly what I would do. Um, there, where, where am I? I've already lost my spot in my notes. We just started. You're here on the ship, Joey. Here with Criterionauts. <laughs> this is a spaceship that we're on. That's the conceit of this program. Yes, and I appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and um, period. I do appreciate how fast the movie got going. Uh, the alien jumps onto the uh, farmer guy's arm after our kissing couple leaves, which, uh, to put a name on him, is Steve, played by Steve McQueen. Very and, strange choice. Yeah, and Jane, right? Is Jane? Yeah. Played by some other lady. Like it's okay. So if you cast, so you've written a role. Character's name is Steve. If you cast somebody whose name is Steve, change the name of the character. That's my that's my opinion. Unless that's what you're going for, like an "It's Always Sunny" thing, where everybody uses their real names. I I guess I yes, that's fine, and that's their choice. And or maybe maybe Steve McQueen had a learning disability, and they knew. <laughs> It, like they tried it, it like they day one they tried it and they were like, "Hey Bill," and he like didn't respond. Just never looked up. And they're like, "Oh, we we have to just call him Steve." I think. Yeah, that's and then why they did that. You never hear anybody in any of his movies say the name of his character to his face. <laughs> it's Except always this one. It's always over constantly. Their head. Yeah. 
because <laughs> it was the only way it worked. Um. Okay. So our our teen leaves after they our teens leave after they get bored poking the goo coming out of this meteor. Farmer comes up and finds it immediately is attacked in our first uh, example of that reverse motion, making the the blob seem like it's doing something. Which mm-hmm. I don't know how prevalent that was then. It's 1958. That's... I mean, I guess I, I I'm trying to remember when Harryhausen was doing things. I guess earlier because that those ki- that King Kong movie was even way earlier than this. I think for I think forties. Um, so they were yeah. They're I mean they're they're. There and then like the Wolfman and stuff, but I think I think that this was uh, I think that this was some pretty not not revolutionary, but I think it was some very clever use of uh, of of effects of goo. Yes, well, you, they learned all those tricks working in those religious commercial things with the goo. Yeah, they're full of goo. <laughs> um. So it's it it's after this goo arm attack where I put the note and I didn't realize how wrong it was. I appreciate how fast this got going. I don't need to care about a town to watch it get swallowed by alien snot. And then it's right at that moment the movie just gets super hard ADD and pivots onto like literally anything but the movie it's it's trying to do. It it uh, like I don't know how you felt. It there it so many scenes just went on forever and <laughs> didn't seem to be pertinent to anything. Like when they're talking, when the, uh, when that cop pulled them over and it was yep. just like, what is this? What is this? Is this a different movie? It felt to me like they had like a 40 page script and they were like, we're Stretch. contractually obligated to deliver an 80 minute movie. So, <laughs> so we need to pad this out. And so then the, they just did that. They just, everything was like the editor, I imagine was like, should we cut here? They're like, no, 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 no. Just let it go. Let it, <laughs> let's stay. But this shuts out of focus. It doesn't matter. We have a contractual obligation. Actors, you're going to notice that the scene stops at a certain point. We're going to need you to go a couple more pages after that. <laughs> I, I don't care about what. Just don't stop. Also, did you notice that, like you really, this movie is a good example of it. There are other older movies too, but you really used to be able to get away with just about anything in a movie, like day for night, like really oh, obvious sketch day, day for, for night. night. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you would just, it would just be daytime and they'd put a blue filter, like a Grady, uh, a Grady, gradiated, great gradient, graded. gradient. Look, look, uh, we, we're, we've got quarantine brain crescendo. Um, a visual sibilance. crescendo sibilance uh, or just like the insane amounts of light that they would just have at night in mm-hmm. the woods or whatever. Like, <laughs> and you're just like, it's fine. It's nighttime. Don't worry about it. Oh no, I told totally you about it. Yeah. The shadows on the trees coming horizontally. That's natural. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the fort. Oh, it's the, the moon rock. It's whatever. The, the old ethos of movies. Ah, Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's a talking picture. What do you want? Hey, talkies, see? So yeah, we our couple um I I told I just realized I totally got the order of this beginning wrong because the goo arm attacks the farmer and that's how our our teens find the the meteor so quick is because there's a guy with goo on his arm which he right. calls like some sort of blister um which it's already like engulfed his whole hand at this point. 
<laughs> to, to just think it's some sort of blister is pretty good. Um, and then they do what all teens in the 50s do, which is get them into the car and immediately start this night-long investigation, mm-hmm, and, uh, right. a night-long unpaid investigation about what has happened even though they might die. Now, you say the teens, but I, I think, again, I think you're referring to a teenage girl and the world's oldest teenage boys <laughs> and their shop teacher, Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. Everything, just the delivery when they were in the car and driving in the car, he's like, hey, I'm sorry, <laughs> babe. Like everything he said, I'm like, Man, he's just he's working so hard. He's just trying every line because like he's like staring at her, unblinking. It's <laughs> like you're like a serial killer. Yeah, I'm like not even there, and I'm just like, dude, I don't like this. Well, and like Jane has auspiciously few lines of dialogue. Oh like, man, and she'll be and she'll be in scenes and just not speaking, and it's like just. Does she have no self-respect or does her, she have no agency or does she just have nothing else to do that night? No, no. Her and main, her main reason to be there is to collapse into uh, Steve's arms. And look, I get that. And I'm, <laughs> I, I understand it. No, totally. But... <laughs> yeah. They, they take this, this old farmer man with uh, the goo on his arm to his car, you know, <laughs> make makes Jane get out of the car so they can shove this old farmer with weird goo on his arm into the back of it. Um, then we go immediately to the hospital. And again, here, I don't know it's coming. I said, hey, we're going to go to the hospital. Cut. This is the doctor. I'm leaving now. And I right Oh, here, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> I'm like, my God, the efficiency of this movie is amazing. <laughs> They're just totally going to pull the rug out from underneath me. But at first I'm like, yeah, man, we're booking through all this crap. <laughs> um, but first we, we get that note about the doctor leaving. Um, but was this before or after the, the, they pass those dudes, the mooks? Uh, no, they, the doctor, we're outside the doctor's office uh, before they had the the like drag race scene or whatever that was. <laughs> whatever that was. And it, I, it was so confusing, like, the geography of it or like what Steve McQueen's plan was. And then suddenly the cop rolls. Up. I think like, I thought he was trying to get them caught by the cops, but then the cop yeah. came to him and then they, they proceeded to have like a 15 minute conversation. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Steve pass, passes this truck full of dudes, and they take offense to it later and have to challenge him to this drag race where uh, Steve outsmarts everybody by making the race backwards. Yeah. Uh, he and even then, outsmarted us watching it because we were yeah, like, I don't even know what just happened. Because he, he's convinced he did something amazing, and I was waiting for the like the punchline still. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, is a train going to come and like hit that car? Because that would be cool, but I don't think it will. <laughs> but yeah, they his whole thing was like, hey, you're on the other side of a, a stoplight now. You can't go through the, the stoplight. <laughs> uh, so they make it to the dock, and <laughs> my this is my favorite part of the movie. 
He's like, I don't know, Doc. He's got like some sort of blister on it. It's like, okay, let's let's see what we got here. This blister on your blah. <laughs> Son, do you know what a blister is? His whole <laughs> hand is melted. Ugh. <laughs> oh, um. I, at this point, I said I'm glad the plot is moving so fast because it already feels like it's been an hour, and this is this is ten minutes into the movie, and it's. <laughs> This is like the point at which the movie decides to have a bunch of other mini movies uh, before they continue the main one. So we get that dumb drag race with the mooks in the truck who end up being like kind of good guys, but also super gross. Uh, Mooks is such a great word. It is. The mooks. Steve and the mooks playing Thursday at CBGB. Well, did you do you remember that in the opening credits? Uh, they were they were uh, credited as introducing the teenagers. Oh no, I didn't. Yeah, the world's oldest teenagers. The, I can't wait for the the next great adventure in the teenagers, the one where they go to the theater again and nothing happens. Well, yeah, especially in the extended teenager verse or the cinematic <laughs> teenager verse. Um. <laughs> so yeah, they the they have that drag race. He gets Steve gets a talking to from a cop who lets him go because of course he does, and then the mooks are like, "Hey, what was what was it? Hey, what was that all about? Hey. Oh, it was about this thing that happened that it has nothing to do with the movie, and the audience doesn't know what any of this means. But I'm going to tell you about it in detail anyway. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna. The doctor told us to go investigate, which I guess is something doctors do in the fifties. So we're going to go back out to the woods by ourselves as teenagers to see if we can find out what's eating this man alive. You guys go to the theater. Stop being gross. All right. I liked, uh, wait, it did. I, I forget now. Uh, where, where was that before or after the blob um, completely consumed the guy? I think it's, this is like a simultaneous thing. Because he leaves, they leave the farmer with the doc. The kids go back to try and figure out what the meteor thing was all about. And right. then the doctor calls in his nurse lady to come back. And it's like the blanket's moving. I, I So I wrote down a line that I, I thought, because it's so, it's, it's curious that they, in their description of this movie, the Criterion Collection pointed out these strong performances. <laughs> and... I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, and I know one of the iconic images from the movie is that nurse. Like it's sort of like an over the shoulder of over the blob onto the nurse, like backing away from it. Oh yeah. Into the corner, uh, which is a very cool still image and a very effective image. But I, I thought, I thought she was uh, unacceptably bad. And then the doctor, <laughs> the doctor had this line. I mean, this is maybe not entirely his fault, uh, the script is perhaps to blame. He's when he said, uh, "Must have absorbed the old man completely," uh, which is that's a crazy thing to say. And then, yeah. also, and then, and then, and then, I mean, also, how did he know that? And and then he says, "I don't know what this is, but you need to stay away from it." So, if you don't know what it is, how do you know that? How do you? Well, which is it? The do the th- guy's gone, and the blob is bigger, Chris. It's just science. <laughs> it's true. It's true. He is a doctor. You're right. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, you can't become a doctor without doing blob science. The man is a doctor. Yeah, apparently. 
in is the fifties. You didn't have to do much to be one, but yes. Uh, also, if I were the kids who brought in this dude with a goo arm to a doctor, and the doctor told me to go look into what happened, I tell him to go fuck himself. It's like I'm not going back out there. Look at that thing. Yeah, come. On. I'm just the world's oldest teenager. <laughs> I got stuff to do. I'm trying to get with this girl. This actual go, teenage girl. We got to go press our faces together some more, I think. We're gross. <laughs> um, I will also say, too, about Steve, because they were going to go, t- they get, like, sidetracked into maybe going to the spook show, as he kept calling it, like a midnight oh, horror right, show thing. Right. It seems like every scene where Steve is like asked to do something, he just like succumbs to peer pressure and then goes and does the thing. Like he, he goes into, he walks into a scene with no plan. Someone says, Hey, do this. He's like, no. And then somebody says, Hey, do the thing. Well, all right. (laughs) And then it's the next part of the movie. Also, that's a, that's an excellent point. And also, side note, which I'm sure we'll get into later. But once we finally do see that spook show, what a motley, <laughs> motley cast of characters that are at that midnight screening. Yeah. In the movie, that's just people laughing. Uh-huh. That's my favorite. <laughs> and where'd they get those girls? Anyway, let's we'll get anyway, into it, I'm sure. Those were the quote-unquote unprotected women in the balcony that the mooks were looking for. Gross. Yeah, quote unquote. Uh, so yes, the the nurse comes back. The the doctor is convinced the blob has absorbed the man as he has gone, and and thus begins my favorite battle sequence in the movie, um, where the doctor tells the nurse to throw acid on the blob, which does nothing. So the doctor then takes the next obvious step, which is to shoot it uh, a couple times, and then he's out of ideas. Right. <laughs> well, you got something? I don't. And then I'm, I guess the I guess everybody get eight at that point. That's also when I wrote that this that the movie is lit like a sitcom or like the movie The Forty Year Old Virgin, which is also shot like a sitcom. Please continue. Okay. Uh I just hear kids screaming in the background. I hear it too. Space. That seems dangerous. Hey, well, how, I mean, look, we got how else are we going to keep this civilization going unless this <laughs> ship is, unless we're going to, what are you, you and I going to populate it ourselves? I don't think it works that way. <laughs> I'm bailing. Uh, <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks Eject. for listening. This has been a great episode. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's everybody in the 50s, I guess, is super eager to help, or no one really has plans of their own because. It seems like everybody can kind of just be talked into going to do something else other than what they were going to do. Like Steve is going to go to the movies. The mooks are going to not go to the movies and help them do other things. Everyone's just like starved for something to do in the, in the fifties, I guess. Right. Um, so yeah, they go out back to the farm where they found the man. These are our teens our two teens. They mm-hmm. find the meteor. They pick up the meteor, they smell the meteor, they like, taste the meteor, you know. Taste the meteor. <laughs> they they get real up close and personal with something that is related to the thing they saw basically starting to absorb a man 
and uh, bold strategy, but whatever. Uh, acid does nothing. Shoot it. Oh, then uh, Steve and the girlfriend go back to the doc's office where he goes up to a window and sees the doc mid mid being eaten by the blob, which was an amazing visual through a window of this dude just kind of stumbling around covered in, in gel of some sort. Wait, is this is this the moment when Steve sees the doctor with the blob on him? Yes, through the window. And his and his reaction was like something out of Tim and Eric where he was just like like where like Tim and Eric would just like repeat the same thing over and that's what it was it I I exploded in laughter. I was and I was watching it um in uh on the television but with headphones by myself and it, it's it that that's not like a great scenario to 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 get a big laugh but boy they got a big laugh out of me did you buy he was scared though uh joey i understood that that's what the movie was telling me uh-huh. I did not buy that he was scared. And oh, Steve McQueen, okay. Steve McQueen, very good performer later in his life. Um, <laughs> not here. When he was actually 40 and didn't just look 40. Yeah. Did he look still 40? He, lo- he looked 40 and like the rest of his career until he looked 50 and then he was dead. Ah. <laughs> so that's the life. We all, we all wish we could do it. Right. Um, Let's see. Oh, so this now, after Steve seeing the blob eat the doctor, this starts our whole uh, chain of nobody believes Steve. Or Steve goes to tell someone about the blob. In this case, the police, as you would go to. Hey, police, there's a blob. What? No, there's not. (laughs) Yeah, get out of here, kids. (laughs) Get out of here, kid. All right, he doesn't believe me. Let's go tell blank. Then we move on to this, that person. And it's the same scene for the next 45 minutes. Yep. With various people. It's it's the mooks. It's the the cops who we keep coming back to and I guess never sleep or take time off. I don't know. They're always there. Always the same cops. 24-7. Yeah. There's the one super aggro guy who's clearly going to get in trouble at some point. And then the, the good cop. And then two background cops. They're just always yeah, I, at the police off police station. I, <clears throat> I do feel like uh, I do feel like that one cop was sort of the proto cop for the problems that we're going through right now. We're totally, sort of, we're sort of you know reckoning with you know <laughs> power going out of control and people abusing their authority. Uh, oh. I also I wanted to point out when the cops are investigating the doctor's office, which is you know right after the the. Uh, the blob because they, of course they don't believe him because uh, the you no know, they what go there. no there's no thing uh, when that when that old lady inexplicably showed up what in the, the robe fuck um for when she when she showed up from the Golden Girls or or some <laughs> other other Dude. other type other format of thing but everybody's when they, when they, so bored insane and and but when they when they go in there there is a poster that just says polio. It's like it's on the wall 
a poster and we're like, are they advertising polio? Like, is it like, you know, come get polio or there's no tiny other text you can't read. I think it just said polio. Well, now you're thinking about it. Yeah. You know, I am intrigued. So I guess it is is working point to you poster point to you polio. Uh, yeah, so that we go investigate the doctor's office again, and no one is there, of course. Our our proto-cop immediately just starts accusing Steve of all of it. Just super aggro, and has, like, a really Trumpian explanation for pretty much anything that is... Well, there's shock, shotgun went off, but I don't see any bullets. Ah, it could have been a, a string on a lever, and a... <laughs> you're... Shut up, Steve, you're just a teenager. <laughs> but... <laughs> They he immediately goes good cop bad cop but just bad cop and tries to like immediately say Steve is behind all this for some reason mm-hmm. even though there's no gain you just want to make us look stupid it was like that cop's entire motivation is that he didn't want someone to make him look stupid right and it's like they didn't believe him about the the blob doesn't want to look stupid mm-hmm. If only people believed him about the blob. It's almost like... <laughs> hmm. I can't quite put my finger on what this movie's trying to say or what we could learn from this movie, but I know it's in there somewhere. Well, they... I mean, I don't know if you're going to get to it, but they eventually get to it. I mean, they eventually say out loud... Um, which Why probably less? <laughs> Well, it's probably it's uh, to your point. This is probably the reason. This is this is the line that the Criterion Collection hooked into and was like, "This is important." Even as as like hammy and wooden as a lot of this movie is, you know, the 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 line: "How do you get people to protect themselves from something they don't believe in?" It was like I could not it, believe it. Yeah, like as soon when he said that, I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> it, it's like the movie snapped out of it for a second and was in 2020. It was like, "Hey, Chris McCaleb." I was like, "What?" Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> and the movie's like, and Steve McQueen's looking right at me, going, "Yeah, you. Oh. This is what this is what this movie's about. It's this is why the movie's timeless." And I was like, "I see you, Criterion Collection." I couldn't believe it. I could yeah. not believe. Like, it couldn't have been a more ham-fisted metaphor for today's times if it was made today. Right. And it was made 60 fucking years ago. Yeah. And the movie still sucks, but it's still amazing (laughs) that it was able to, like... Oh, oh, don't get us wrong. This movie sucks. It sucks. But... But it's it's breezy. It's a breezy 80-some minutes that feels like four (laughs) hours, and it makes you think. I, and then this the end of this doctor's office scene too is like if this scene would have gone differently we could have skipped the next half hour <laughs> when the good cop looks at Steve and goes do you have any evidence or whatever he looks at Jane Jane did you see it and Jane looks around and just goes no <laughs> but you had didn't. one job Jane are you serious right now? <laughs> Just lie, lie the one time. Was that <clears throat> was that the scene when uh, they they brought in Steve's dad? 
Oh yeah, this is a character witness. Yeah, well, Steve and that guy. There, there were two people in this movie, and it was sort of in rapid succession. Um, but that that guy, that guy's performance was so weirdly wooden. Like mm-hmm. it, it's almost seemed like he was a hostage who was being forced <laughs> to to like be in this movie, and he You're like right, didn't want to. Bad. It was crazy. You need to and make then, sure you read from the bulleted list. Yeah, say it or we kill your family. And he's like, yeah. I t- my family. And 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 then and then you get uh, Jane's little brother who might also be a hostage or like. <laughs> Or, or somebody like who was taken from his family. Like, there's very questionable ethics uh, behind the camera of this movie, is well, the, what I'm trying to get at. The other thing, too, that was confusing to me, speaking of the brothers, the brother scene with Jane, Jane's sneaking out of the house to go help Steve after they go home and go to bed already, when everyone else in the town still seems to be awake. Right. And, and then Jane gets her kid brother to shut up by basically promising she'll give the kid this dead guy's dog, the dog that was out at the farm. Like, hey, I have a dog you might, I'll get you. Just shut up and go to sleep. Protect mom and dad. (laughs) So, yeah, I didn't know you could just take stuff, especially dogs, and then give it to your brother and it wouldn't be questioned. Um, But yeah, the kids sneak out to go investigate further which they wouldn't have had to do if Jane would have just lied. We go to the theater. He goes to to grab the mooks, uh, pulls them out of the theater, at which point they say the line, you made us waste our 80 cents (laughs) for a movie ticket, for like a midnight movie monster thon thing. And that made me probably the maddest (laughs) out of everything. Uh... Yeah, but did your parents ever talk to you about, like, I know my mom would always talk to me about how, you know, she would get, her parents would give her, like, a quarter or 30 mm-hmm. cents or whatever, and they'd go into town, and it would be, into like, a, town. You know, yeah, 20, 20, it was, like, 20 or 25 cents to get into the movie, and a nickel for candy, and they'd get all the candy yeah. that they could eat, and, and, for like uh, a pen, penny candies, like, I, I, I don't even know. Do you, I don't know if they still do this, but uh, at the like at the grocery store or places where they would have those those like red uh, like metal and glass containers full of like stale candy that you could put a quarter into and turn it, and it would like come out through this gross spout, and then you would just as a kid get candy at the fucking grocery store instead of getting it out of a box. This is and now I'm just store. yeah I'm just regurgitating a Gary Goldman bit. Um, uh, Gary Goldman, by the way, phenomenal comedian. If you like stand up comedy, he's a genius. Um, and you have butts on him too. So, but do you yeah? So if you go to GaryGoldman.com uh, and you enter the promo code Criterionauts <laughs> ten, um, there is no discount. <laughs> you will not receive anything, and there's nothing to buy. That's right. Uh, so now after we pull the mooks out of the theater, we commence with like the best non-event montage, unscored, no music, where we just go tell seemingly random people about the potential of the blob. They go to a party, try to tell them, yeah, right, kid. We go get out of here. You mooks these people in the car. Hey, there's a blob. Yeah, right. Kid. Like, it's just the same thing. And 
all of it could have not happened and it wouldn't have mattered. Agreed. Uh, like all of life. There was this moment, too, during that whole thing. Yes. Uh, where they, f- the mooks found people kissing in some trees or something and just kind of, like, watched and then got caught watching. Do you remember this? Nope. <laughs> they found people kissing in, like, the trees. I, I, it was just, I, like, randomly out of nowhere. I, I I don't remember that, I, I guess, because I think I was overwhelmed by them <laughs> hiding in that meat locker and thinking about how gross it would smell in there. And because those definitely looked like actual sides of beef. Yes. That was so gross. The Steve and Jane go to someone's grocery store or general store. Uh, I don't even know why, because I guess the light was on and it shouldn't be. <laughs> I don't. I really have no idea. And the blob is there for some reason. Um, and did the dog get eaten by blob, or did they? I, I feel like they. There was a line that let them say the dog didn't get eaten. Like, oh, yeah, I saw can't, it run down can't the street. Never kill the dog. You're not supposed to. But I feel like there was a line like they made you clearly think the blob was going to eat the dog because you hear like. Nar! And then one of the mooks is like, oh, yeah, I saw that dog run down the street. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, I guess the dog's all right. Yeah. And they they uh, knew. Uh, yeah, at least they could have added the line like, that dog's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about that dog. I got it. It's like in uh, in the core when they, when they, they crash land inside a geode in the middle of the earth. And they've just talked about how insane the pressure is and then they get out in what look like beekeepers outfits and there's like a clearly an ADR line where one of them goes ah looks like our suits can withstand the pressure <laughs> thank god for these suits it's and it's just they're there's those suits cannot withstand the pressure spoilers oh did they the core did is they great get... no I've no they do it. I'm saying in real life they wouldn't be oh, able to yeah I've not seen the core oh Joey. I don't think it's on Criterion. You're correct. <laughs> it's a it's a rare it's a rare oversight for the Criterion collection. There speaking of ADR, I have a note. I don't know remember what it was, but said I'm glad there's a 30 second monologue about why it's unusual that we're going into the grocery store. And I don't remember oh, the yeah. content of any of that, but we just stay on this extreme wide watching them go into the grocery store. And we just hear this conversation still going with multiple back and forths between Jane and Steve about this guy's store. Right. It's world building, right? That's it. We're just world building. Totally. Um, so we, when when they get cornered by the blob, as Chris said, they go hide in the meat locker. And then we get a little bit more of kind of those neat effect ideas, like a smart use of these effects. The blob starts squishing its way under the door uh, of this meat locker, and they don't know what to do. They're trapped. And then the they do the rewind thing again, and the blob sucks its way back out of under the, under the door for some reason to be determined later. Uh, and I thought that was that's still pretty effective. Like if 
high school kids were making a horror movie and did that, I'd be like, wow, that's a really good job, like using what you have. But I have no idea how big a budget this thing was for for its time. I think small. I mean, it was like they like they said it. It is a. It was a like outside the outside the the mainstream the system it is an indie right well i mean and all they had was like a big bottle of shampoo it was their villain so <laughs> i assume that's i have no idea what that that is there's like four or five different consistencies of the blob depending on what they needed to do and then one drawing towards the end there's a drawing of it definitely <laughs> um so all the youths reconvene and I guess somehow convince the police and everyone to take this serious by setting off air raid sirens or something, basically waking up everyone in the town and getting them to come to the town center, uh, where Steve retries to get everyone to take him serious about the blob. Um, there's the good cop quote unquote, who for whatever reason, has decided time and time again that Steve is telling the truth, which is the only reason why the movie works. It's because this one cop is like, nah, he's telling the truth, and I just so happen to be in charge. Even though the entire time the other uh, proto-cop is basically being like, ah, eat shit, chief. No, he's not. Fuck you. <laughs> Come on, let me at him. I'll get him. Did I mention I was uh, in the war? I was. Uh, so now, uh, I guess no one takes him serious and everyone goes back to their movie theater movie. Uh, because I, by the way, I, I, I had forgotten about the, the part where that, the cop really made everything about himself. Everything. Just like, they know about my war record. It's not about you, man. <laughs> He's convinced it was though. They just kind of want to make me look stupid. They want to, they want to make me look stupid and put a mask on. I ain't doing it. Uh, they go back to the movie theater, which is where we see this uh, amazing film of a bunch of headshots of people just laughing hysterically. And the audience is loving it. <laughs> uh, it looks like a great time. <laughs> but the blob has impeccable timing and at that point decides to sneak into the projection booth, eat the projectionist. Yep. And then I guess that one dude was enough to make this thing grow to the size of a building. Well, I think, you know, I was a projectionist in college and that was my like work study job. Mm -hmm. And, and I can tell you that there's a certain amount of power that comes with being a projectionist <laughs> and that kind of power is going to naturally make a blob a lot bigger. Okay. I don't, I think everybody knows that. I don't think that that's, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm uh, <laughs> uh, uh, breaking any new ground here. Everybody knows how powerful a projectionist is. <laughs> I, I, mm -hmm. I, I rest my case. Uh-huh. Well, he, he got it. He got it good. It made the blob grow big, uh, to which causes everyone to see that the blob is coming out of these tiny, tiny windows they used as a model for the theater. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, we have the, uh, an extras sequence that like made me cringe. Cause I'm like, Oh, someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get hurt. They had everyone storm out of this movie theater. And then somebody of course trips 
which causes a couple other people to trip. And then there are people running out of this thing and it, there's no way it was done safely <laughs> to where I'm just like, Oh God, these people are going to get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> like running over. Somebody has to go back and try to help this person up because all these people fake scared are trampling this person to death. Um, Talk about a bad way to die. I don't, I don't know. Like I, I was at a concert one time many years ago and just like getting crushed and crushed. And my, my girlfriend at the time was like almost got pushed down to the ground. And so we had to like get out of there. Mm. Um, I can't even imagine being trampled underfoot. Yeah. By a it's fake just a little, mob. Yeah. Just a little PSA. Don't, don't trample people guys. <laughs> uh, at this point, they're like so much happens, but it's all so bad and boring. Like, I still have another page of notes, but it's just like is waiting for people to see if their plan works. The blob comes out of the theater, and now everyone believes him finally. And what is it going to do? That didn't work. What do we do now? Yeah, that I mean, didn't look, work. look. Let's save you some time. They try to burn it. Burning doesn't work, and then they have that fire extinguisher and that's when they realize, Oh shit. That's why we hid in that meat locker full of gross sides of beef. And that's why it left. It doesn't like cold. It doesn't like cold. So, and then they're like, it's CO2 guys. And then, and then, and (laughs) then the longest conversation ever about needing CO2. And then, and then the man runs up, uh, and in the moment, dad again, it's like, I know, I know where there are 20 CO2 extinguishers at the high school, says the creepy old man with a mustache. I'm pretty sure that was Steve's dad again, coming I, in to do his wooden lines. I, I don't know that. The, I don't remember that. It could could have been. But also like it and like, a, you know, a scene or two later, you realize he has keys to the high school. So he works. <laughs> he works at the high school. But in that yeah. moment, it, it feels almost like, uh, you know, there's I, I 20 CO2 extinguishers in the I pro- showers. I probably shouldn't tell you this, but I do skulk around the high school a lot. And I know for a fact, uh, look, let's litigate this later. But uh, <laughs> let's get those extinguishers, huh, guys? CO2, right? Yeah, the mooks go help them. The, mo- the mooks finally playing their part. They're going to go help the the creeper guy get all the extinguishers out of the high school because shooting the blob with CO2 extinguishers was starting to freeze it, mm-hmm. and it, they froze it. They froze the whole thing. They froze the whole, the whole big blob. The head, the tail, the whole damn thing. <laughs> they, we have a couple really cool shots that are clearly matte paintings of the blob covering this. I think it's the, what are they in the theater still? still the no, theater? that like diner? diner. Yeah. Yes. They went into a diner and the blob covers the entire thing and they try to knock power lines onto it. it has this neat, you know, screen etched electricity effect going through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they just eventually freeze it. Apparently. It's like the movie got bored of itself right at the finish line. <laughs> yeah, we, we, it, it, caught, it caught up with us where we had been much earlier, just bored yeah. with the movie. Um, so yeah, they they freeze it, and then like I guess, <laughs> like they take the opportunity right at the end to throw in one last lesson. It's like we'll send it to Antarctica. We're safe as long as that remains frozen. Dun, dun, dun. Question mark. 
Oh, no. Also, yeah, nothing better than when they they have something, the end question mark, like in Flash Gordon, which I guess mm-hmm. comes way after this, but the, the 80s Flash Gordon. Um, but also what I wondered when they did that, is this a prequel to The Thing? <laughs> you say, like, The Thing is a fan fiction sequel? Yeah, like The Thing... It picks up where the like the this leaves off and the blob sort of mutates and it turns into the thing. Maybe, I, I mean, I'll take re- my answer off air. Thank long time, first time. I mean, there's got to be a reason it's in the collection, right? Yes. Uh, well, as a matter of fact, I have three more reasons. Oh, it is in the this collection. Is, this is what we wait for. This is right. why we listen to this podcast uh, here on the spaceship. Right. Um, I. So some of these are serious. I think one, it's excellent use of reverse motion. Mm-hmm. Number two, for cramming three parables into one, we got the disease and spreading disease. We got global warming. Mm-hmm. And we also got what happens when you succumb to peer pressure. <laughs> the world's oldest teenager. Yes, the world's oldest teen. This is what happens if you stay in high school for 20 more years. (laughs) Uh, And lastly, watching people seriously try to act scared of a pile of slime is hilarious. I mean, is it even a pile of slime? I mean, it looks, it almost looks like it's, it it kind of resembles, did you ever make like rubber cement balls? (laughs) Yes. It's kind of like that. I mean, it is. I called it a pile, a puddle of gack. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. Or like, um, I remember there there would be those things in like the late '80s, early '90s it, um, that would come with toys, and it was a powder, and you'd mix it with water, and it would be like ice, but it was like a gooey, slimy ice. Oh, I don't remember that. And and it was it was kind of like that. Um, I feel like I feel like uh, I feel like there was a He Man thing that had that and there was definitely an x-men thing that had that anyway um i just had just lots a little of little trip down memory lane the ooze oh yeah for sure lots of ooze ooze is gross that i i, I can like it, it just what are you saying, talking about it's so good at cleaning up hair oh jesus the the smell you you've just transported me back to the smell of ooze yeah yeah i think they still make it i guess making slime is like a thing that's fun to do with kids right now. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, all right. So now, lastly, I have <clears throat> my new write-up for The Blob. This and is why we listen to this podcast. This is uh, my, my 10-minute brain dump of the movie I just watched. Um, so, Chris, the, I tried. I didn't want to bring it up too much earlier, but... You had exactly mentioned the beginning of this write-up. <clears throat> With its scene philosophy of get in late and get out even later, the blob's, atten- <laughs> the blob's attention shifts away from potentially interesting stories involving extraterrestrial snot and instead focuses on the important stuff, like a 30-year-old teenager drag racing <laughs> or the fact that cops actually have the capacity to understand chess. <laughs> 
as we follow, which we didn't even bring up, <laughs> um, as we follow our old teenagers from one scene where the people don't believe them about the thing to the next scene where two people don't believe them about the thing, I can't help but feel the existential dread of this 10-ton heavy-handed metaphor going unheeded for nearly 60 years. As America continues to ignore facts and science of a clearly visible threat, I shudder to think of the trouble we'll be in when Antarctica finally thaws. <laughs> No stars. <laughs> uh, anyway. No that's stars. The that's a bold. bold I'll, I'll say one star for the, the matte paintings. Half a thumb. I'll give it half a severed thumb. Yikes. Uh, so next, Philomena. Philomena? Is it, wasn't that the one you said? Did I make that up? It wasn't an Omina one. Or something. Is Phil- I don't even think Philomena is a part of the collection. Quadrophenia. Oh, Quadrophenia. Yeah, the the uh, the Who movie. Uh, I have no idea what it was. I, I mean, I sort of barely know what it is either. Quadrophenia. Quadro- is it a movie? It's movie quadro- or is Quadrophenia. Philomena. That was that's that's not a bad wrong no, answer. <laughs> no, that's true. That is a movie, also. Yeah. Uh, bonus. Yeah, let's watch so Quadrophenia. Is it a movie movie or is it a music video thing? Uh, it is. It is a movie loosely based on their the Who's rock opera. Oh. It is not a musical film, and the band does not appear live in the film. Oh, okay. I'm into it. I mean, it seems weird. It seems like a weird one to watch. So I'm in. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So next, uh, we'll do not Philomena, but Quadrophenia. <laughs> Quadrophenia. E-I-E-I-O on, uh, uh, on the next Criterion Ots. You can find more shows at explosivemagico.com. Uh, you can listen to LOLJK, which has a Patreon cross-promotion. And uh, Chris, do you have anything else you want to plug? Um. Just uh, unending sadness. Yeah, and brought to you by unending sadness. Well, I've been Criterion, not Joey. I've been Criterion, not Chris. And we'll see you next time for Quadrophenia. Did I finally say it right? I hope so. Quadrophenia. There, I said it both, just in case. See you next time, guys. Awesome. 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 Awesome.